Go ahead and open up your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12. The series is called Glory in the Church. And last week, this week, we are learning what kind of church are we supposed to become? Jesus is building his church, and he wants us to become a certain kind of church. And today we're, we're given an image um, of, of what we're supposed to become and what we are not supposed to become. And the picture that the Bible uses to describe the kind of church we're not supposed to become is actually pretty funny. Uh, the sermon title today is called Seasick Babies. And the image that we have here is of these children, these babies being tossed about like a ship at sea. And I just want to uh, camp on that image for a moment here uh, because it's not what we are supposed to become. Let's talk about the whole storm-tossed part first. I found a video several years ago of a cruise ship that was being tossed about at sea. Check it out. Here's the video of these poor people who are on a cruise ship. They wanted to enjoy a cruise. That's all they wanted, and suddenly everything is moving because the storm is causing the ship to sway from side to side. So it goes one way, and then everything goes back the other way. People begin to try bracing themselves. They grab onto chairs, they grab onto pillars, they grab onto counters, but it doesn't help because they continue to be tossed from side to side by this storm. And the idea of being storm-tossed, my favorite is the guy in the back. There's like this piano thing that's right there, and he grabbed onto it, and that wasn't helping him either. So, so this, is, this is what we are not, and here they go again, what we are not supposed to become as a church is this idea of being tossed by the storm side to side. Now add to that metaphor, you're a, a, a child, an infant that's being tossed about, and is there a more pathetic picture than you can paint? I mean, let's face it, kids are gross to begin with, and now let's make them seasick. All right, it's going to be a lot of messes to clean up if we are like infants tossed back and forth by the storm. So what kind of church are we supposed to become? Well, we're not supposed to be a bunch of seasick babies. The question, the key question for this morning is, how can we pursue and enjoy spiritual maturity together? Let's pray, and then we'll learn how. Lord Jesus, we ask that you would help us to pursue spiritual maturity to enjoy spiritual maturity together as a congregation. Show us what it means to grow up to maturity in community. Show us what it means, Lord, to become strong and healthy, to become the church that you designed us to be. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, in Ephesians 4, verse 12, like we paused the sermon last week, like mid-sentence. It was like, talk, 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 pause. So it's a little weird break, but um, it makes sense because there's so much that we have to unpack from this passage. So we're picking things up in chapter 4, verse 12. And last week, we answered the question, where did the church come from? How did Jesus assemble it? We looked at the apostles, the prophets, the teachers. And today we're continuing that thought because Jesus built his church on the foundation. Then he continued to grow his church. So it says this. He gave, verse 11, he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers, verse 12, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. 
so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness, in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way to him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. The first thing that you can write down is this. We must grow up like a strong, mature body. The primary metaphor throughout this passage is a body growing up, becoming an adult, right? Becoming a big kid, getting all the way up to maturity. And that's an, uh, that's an image of what the church has to become. So we must grow up like a strong, mature body. Um, it says that we're attaining to the unity of faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, it says in verse 13. And the measure of the stature is the fullness of Christ. So in every metaphor of the church, Christ is supreme and we're united to him, but we're also united to one another. And that's how the body is put together. Christ is the head and we're all body parts. We're united under his supremacy. That's how we grow up. Now let's talk about a body being built up. We all know, we've known since elementary school, the value of exercise. Am I right? They drilled it into us, and yet still we struggle to stay fit and healthy and strong and active. We know our bodies are supposed to be strong, right? Not weak, and, and, and we're supposed to be in shape and not out of shape. But it's still a big struggle to make sure that we are actually building the body up to be strong. My old doctor that I used to go to would ask me all these questions to make sure I was exercised. Do you exercise? Well, yeah, I do. Do you work out? Yeah. Do you go to the gym? Yeah. He said, do you break a sweat? And I'm like, well, this is thorough. I said, yeah, in fact, I'm training for a half marathon. And he just gave me this eye of scrutiny like he didn't believe it. And then on the way out, he handed me a packet on obesity. And I was like, well, he really wants me to be in shape, but he's not really encouraging, encouraging me very much. And um, the Apostle Paul here wants the church to be in shape, wants it to be strong, wants it to be growing, right? We must grow up like a strong, mature body. And let's face it, 2020, COVID-19, people have joked that they are putting on the COVID-19. I mean, there's nothing about this year that is promoting physical wellness. I saw a funny meme about, uh, about COVID Dora, you know, Dora the Explorer. Here's a picture of COVID Dora. And the caption says, when the only thing you explore is the refrigerator. <laughs> the, uh, the thought of staying physically fit shows us that it's a challenging and even daunting task. We've all seen the pictures of a before and after success story when somebody wasn't in shape and then they got in shape. One of the most popular pictures is Chris Pratt. He used to be on Parks and Rec, then became a superhero in the Marvel Universe. Here's his before and after picture. There's, uh, you know, the jokester from, you know, a, a sitcom, and then suddenly he's this god flying through the sky, and he had to get in shape, and so he did. And that whole before and after picture is what we're reading in Scripture today. How can we, as a church, grow up like a strong, mature body? And jot this down, we must first remain united in faith. It's very clear here that we, we will attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. So there is a unity in faith in Christ that creates this maturity. Unity and maturity are tied up together in community. This is a relational challenge and a doctrinal challenge because we're united, 
but we're also united in faith. We're united together around our core conviction that Christ is the Messiah. Uh, A few weeks ago, I showed an amazing picture of skydivers who broke a record in Illinois for the most people who came together in a formation in in an inverted skydive, vertical, where they're facing down. Check it out, just to remind you. It was so cool. And I said, this was a picture of Christian unity. We're all holding together those crazy people up in the sky who think Jesus is Lord. What are they doing? And we're all like, holding together with all of our strength as we're, you know, plunging to our doom, believing Jesus is going to rescue us. And uh, the Guinness Book of World Records took video and still shots to make sure that they stayed together. They had to stay together to break the record. And that's our challenge. We have to stay together in faith, holding together to one another and committed to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's how we grow up like a strong, mature body. And then jot this down, we must work for Christ in the church and in the world. The idea here is that we are, in verse 12, equipping the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, till we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Then it goes on later to say, uh, as each part is working properly, the body grows so that it builds itself up in love. That means that we don't just have the same knowledge of Christ and we're not just getting together for potlucks, right? But we are working for Christ in the church and in the world. And so check your mindset on that. How are you doing it seeing that maturity means that I am serving other Christians in the church family? And serving other Christians, being actively engaged with other believers means you know what they're going through. If you don't know what they're going through, then you can't really be a blessing to them. So you know and you care. You're actually taking steps to make sure that you empathize and and then you help. You've done something to help those people. And look, if a month or three months or six months or a year or five years has gone by and you know the list of ways that you've served other people in the church, in not just your family and friends, but in the church is pretty bare, then that's a challenge because we've got to get on toward maturity And that involves serving others in the church. So we must work for Christ in the church and in the world. The idea is that when we serve each other in the church, then it spills over into the world. And we take that mindset with us wherever we go. We are working for the Lord Jesus Christ for his glory. We saw last week that spiritual gifts are given to each Christian um, to serve other people. And the way that the church and the world experiences the presence of Christ is through the spiritual gifts of Christians. When we, and we're given spiritual gifts not for ourselves, but for other people. And when we edify other Christians and reach out to non-Christians, that's how the glory of Christ spreads and the church grows strong and healthy. So we must work for Christ in the church and in the world. And it says here, then we will grow up to the mature manhood, right? To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. I like that thought. It's like the church is becoming full grown, right? Full grown. Maybe you went to an amusement park growing up. We went to Six Flags, right? Where, where uh, when you're a kid, you want to get on the ride. You want to get on the thrill ride. And so you walk up to what? To the thing that tells you how tall you have to be before you can ride this ride. And there were those disappointing years when you stood up under it and you weren't just there yet. You weren't to the fullness of the stature 
of the requirements so you couldn't get on. Every once in a while, a kid would make it all the way up to the front of the line, and then a worker would call him over, and he'd have the little bar there, and he'd measure him, and the kid wouldn't be able to ride. And everyone would say, oh, just let him on. But they couldn't because he hadn't reached that height yet. So this is a challenge, not, not just for you individually, but for us as a community to grow up, to reach that mark, to get past the mark that Christ has set together. And I like that thought of the church becoming this towering body together that's filling the world with the heavenly glory of Christ. Uh, it makes me think of that statue in Brazil in Rio de Janeiro, Christ the Redeemer statue. Check out this picture. Uh, they, they put this towering statue of Christ over the whole city, right? The highest point looking down over all the people. And here's another picture of it. Uh, and I love this because this idea of reaching the stature of Christ, well, where is he? He's all the way up there in heaven. So the thought of the church uh, being the body of Christ reaching all the way up to heaven and displaying the eminent glory of the head, Christ, that's kind of pictured here. And look, this is who we're supposed to become. This is how we are supposed to show the world the glory of Christ. So we must grow up like a strong, mature body. Be careful here because when you think about spiritual maturity, often Christians feel self-conscious, like, I know I should be better. I know I'm not where I am yet. I feel like a failure. And that is, that is true. We are not going to reach perfection alone in this life. Um, spiritual maturity doesn't mean our problems have gone away. Like, okay, I did it. My problems are all gone. No, it doesn't mean our weaknesses disappear, right? Uh, it doesn't even mean that our wounds fully heal or our relationships all get repaired, or our individuality disappears. Like, these are not the things that maturity means in the Bible. It means that we're maturing despite the things that we've endured. Uh, we're stronger even though somehow we're weaker. Uh, we're more loving even though we're wounded. We're closer together even after we've been angry, and we're committed even when we're confused at what God is doing in our lives. So when I say that we have to grow up like a strong, mature body, don't, don't confuse what that means. There's still going to be the pain and the disorientation and the temptation and the confusion, but we're still growing to maturity together. So number one, we must grow like a strong, mature body. Number two, jot this down. We must not be children tossed about in confusion. So number one tells us what we're becoming. Number two tells us what we're not becoming. We're not to become children tossed about in confusion. It says in verse 14, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness, in deceitful schemes. So um, let's unpack this. The idea of being storm-tossed, thrown about, again, brings us to this storm imagery. Here's a picture of a ship at sea in a stormy sea and just being picked up and hurled this way, and hurled that way. And here's another picture of a storm coming that somebody posted from Florida last week. A storm was coming, right? And the stars grew, the skies grew dark. So what is this supposed to warn us about? Well, it says here that we are not to be tossed about by every wind of doctrine. The first warning here 
is that some people have not yet nailed down the basic core convictions of the faith. They have a belief problem, and so they feel like they're being hurled about this way and that way uh, because they're confused about the faith. And we can't be doctrinally children tossed about in confusion who don't know the faith. So write this down. Uh, We must avoid false doctrine. We must avoid false doctrine. That begins when we nail down the truth that Jesus is the Savior of the world. And let me ask you a question. Have you nailed down in your own heart that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world? Have you, by faith, received him as your Lord and Savior? Have you publicly professed your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? And have you gotten baptized to show the world that you follow him? Look, do the people who are closest to you in life, your parents, your siblings, your friends that you've known for a long time, if I asked them, hey, is that person a born-again follower of the Lord Jesus Christ? Would they immediately answer, oh, yes. Or would they be like, um, what? I, me? I think they go to, like, have you made it crystal clear beyond any shadow of a doubt that you are a follower of Christ? If not, maybe you're still being tossed about at the very basic level. Are you in or are you out? Is he Lord or is he not? Are you his or, I mean, are you there yet? We've got a baptism coming up on September 13th, and I'd love for you to make the decision today that you are going to finally get baptized. No more heaven and haunt. You are going to go to the website, fill out a prayer request, and say, I want to talk about baptism today. We must not be children tossed about in confusion. And we have to avoid false doctrine. Now, Christians can fall into false teaching in a variety of ways. Perhaps we are untaught. We just don't know what the Bible says, so we get confused about what's right. We could be gullible, which means we don't know the Bible and people seem persuasive, and so we are sucked into something that seems plausible, but it's not. We can be doubtful, which means we know what the Bible says, but we haven't grabbed onto it with a strong grip yet. We can be weak, meaning we've gone through a trial and so we just have no strength to continue holding on to our convictions. We can be fearful or faithless or stuck. Um, We can be surrounded by worldly influences who suddenly draw us away from the faith. There's a variety of reasons that we can be tossed about like a storm in terms of what we believe. Sometimes we aren't sure that we believe what we hear to be true about God. Other times, life has just so beat us up and the storm has been raging for so long, we don't know if we believe it anymore. And the Bible gives us a warning here. We must not be children tossed about in confusion. Seasick babies is what we are not to become. I like that idea of a child trying to figure out a truth. I have three children, and have you ever gotten into an argument with a child about something you know to be true, particularly a young child? Uh, When my daughter Cassie was younger, a toddler, she decided one day she was going to dress herself. I'd do it all by myself. I'd do it all by myself. All right, fine. You get dressed. And she put her shoes on, and she put the wrong shoes on the wrong foot. She put her pants on, and they were backwards. She put her shirt on, and it was backwards and inside out. She did everything wrong. But she didn't care. She was jumping on the bed, having a good time. And I said, Cassie, your shoes are on the wrong foot. She said, no, they isn't. And like, there was no reasoning with her. She was happy as can be. That idea of 
a child who's just not convinced and re- being reasonable uh, isn't growing up. What's funny now is my daughter Cassie is 16 and she had a job. And so a few days ago, we had to work on filing her taxes. And it was the first time she had to file her taxes. And that was a surprise. She was like, no, 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 that can't be true. I made all of this money. What do you mean I need to pay taxes? And she's growing up, growing up. So we must not be children tossed about in confusion, untaught, unconvinced, gullible, fearful, faithless, or weak. But there also is mention of this, these other people. It says here, We may no longer be children tossed about by every wind of doctrine. Then it says, by human cunning, craftiness, and deceitful schemes. So write this down. We must avoid deceitful, divisive people. So now there are these these beliefs that can throw us around like children, and then there are these people who can throw us into confusion. And these people... Uh, here in the text could refer specifically to false teachers who were confusing them about the faith, but it could also refer to divisive people who were stirring up turmoil in the community. Um, And so when it comes to avoiding deceitful, divisive people, this idea of childishness carries over into this too. If we're not careful, there's going to be childishness that comes into our lives and our churches because of people who aren't growing up spiritually. These people are deceitful, it says. They're cunning. They're crafty, uh, right? And so we've got to watch out. We've got to watch out. And many Christians in the church and even some leaders in the church just don't press on toward maturity or integrity or honesty. And they cling to what what the Bible would describe as like their spiritual baby clothes. Like they keep a drawer full of their spiritual baby clothes and they refuse to grow up. And then when life doesn't go their way, they throw tantrums and they cause commotion and division in the church. Here's a picture of children having problems, right? Children who are throwing tantrums, right? right in the grocery store, I want the cookies and I can't have them and I'm going to throw myself on the floor. Here's another picture of a child having a tantrum. I'm not listening to you. I'm not listening to you. And here's another picture of a girl who's not having a good day. And, and this is what it's like when someone in the church is not happy and they're going to start causing problems. And we have to avoid, the Bible says, deceitful divisive people. If you're not prepared to encounter deceitful, divisive people in the church, you're going to be thrown around emotionally and manipulated because of the distortion of the truth. We're warned against this. It's embarrassing to see someone who's been in church for a while show up in a onesie and begin to act like a child, catches people off guard, throw a tantrum, It's even worse if they're a leader, and sometimes Christians are not prepared for this, and suddenly it feels like we're all back in middle school, and there's whispering, and there's secrets, and there's notes being passed, and it's it's childish scheming, and the Bible warns us about this. We must avoid deceitful, divisive people. Sometimes the whispering is about teaching, and now there's a new doctrine, and a rethinking of passages, and a reshuffling of convictions. Hey, hey, we are not to be like children emotionally thrown here and there by scheming people. Hey, listen, we are not to be easily manipulated emotionally. We're warned against that. We are not to be easily taken away doctrinally. We mustn't be drawn to drama, prone to gossip, or deceived by distorted teaching. 
Hey, listen, if we want to grow up to maturity, number one, we must grow up to be like a strong, mature body. Number two, we must not be children tossed about in confusion. We must avoid false doctrine, and we must avoid deceitful, divisive people. Number three, write this down. We must speak the truth in love. We must speak the truth in love. It goes on in verse 15 to say this. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Continuing the theme of a body growing up, this is a portrait of how we're pursuing and enjoying spiritual maturity together. And how do we do it? How do we do it? We have to speak the truth in love. Now, many of us are better at speaking the truth, and some of us are better at the love part. Doing both is difficult, but that's what it means for the body to be united, working properly, serving each other, and growing up. I like this thought of the body growing up into the head. Um, Human babies, children, toddlers, if you haven't noticed, they've got really big heads. Like their bodies are really small, their heads are really big. So the idea of the body growing up to fill out the head is very appropriate here. Did you know that the human head gets to 80% of its adult size by age 2? And did you know that the human head gets to 90% of its adult size by age 5? These little 5-year-olds running around with a 90% big adult head. Boy, does the rest of them need to catch up. Am I right? And that idea of Christ being the perfect head, the full-grown authority in the church, and the rest of the body trying to fill up into that is a fitting portrait of spiritual maturity in the church. And we must, therefore, speak the truth in love. Both truth and love. In Proverbs 12, 18, it says this, There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Jot this down. Truth people, be gracious. Maybe you would consider yourself a truth person. You're more about the facts, not about the feelings. You're not given to strong, wild gusts of emotion. You're sober-minded. You know what you believe, and you will share it. You're not afraid to speak your mind. And frankly, you think the world needs to hear a lot more of the truth today. Well, I would say amen, but truth people... We have to be gracious. We have to be gracious. We can't just speak with blunt force to the head. And we can't just be uncaring about the emotional damage that our words can cause. Now, there are some famous truth people out there. Here's one of them. This is Spock. And we know if you're a Star Trek fan like me, Spock is all facts, no feelings. That can't be the way God's people conduct themselves. All facts, no feelings. That's not loving. So truth people, we have to be gracious. But jot this down. Grace people, be truthful. Grace people, be truthful. Maybe you love people and you love making people feel like they're heard and they're encouraged and they're supported. Maybe you love to lift people up, right? And all of that, I would say amen. But remember this, uh, Calvary, where Jesus died, is a bloody rock. 
and the death of the Lord Jesus Christ shows the price of sin. And if we are unwilling to tell people the truth about their sin, we are leading them away from the one who truly loves them to the very end. Grace people must be truthful. We must never indulge sin in the name of grace. We must never presume to be more gracious than God. Maybe you've been tempted to stay quiet about something that is wrong. Maybe you've been silent, but you've been telling yourself you're just being nice. Maybe you might need to grow more courageous in challenging others with the truth of their choices. Or maybe you need the courage to share your convictions when you know the other person won't agree with you. Hey, grace people, be truthful. Truth people, be gracious. We must speak the truth in love. And then it says, the whole body will be joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So here is the challenge God lays before us this morning. As we make our way through 2020, we must grow up together. Hey, no more glorified childishness. We must become strong. We must become healthier, more committed to each other, to the truth, and to the Lord Jesus Christ than any previous year. Then we will grow to fill the earth with the glory of Christ. And listen, the world needs the church to rise to the highest heavens and to display the glories of Christ. We are the city on the hill. We, the Bible says, are like stars shining in the sky, holding out the word of life. We have to grow up to become like a strong, mature body. We must not be children tossed about in confusion, and we must speak the truth in love. Let's commit this to the Lord and ask him to fill us with all of his fullness together. Lord Jesus, we pray that you would help us to mature. Lord, we can't do it alone. We need your spirit. We need your word. We need each other. And we confess that we are not where we should be, Lord. We confess that we're still weak and childish and doubtful. We're still, Lord, we lose our battles and we try and go it alone. And so I pray that you would help us in community to feel healthier, to feel stronger. I pray that you would help your church to shine brighter than ever before to a watching world, to a world without hope, to a world without joy, to a world without peace. Lord, raise us up and make us your object. Make us your, your glory to the ends of the earth. And Jesus, we know that as as we lift you up, you will draw all people to yourselves. So fill us with your glory and strengthen us, Lord. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.